in today's show. Well, I was going to talk about biggest hits and biggest misses so far this season, and now we've got some news with Miles Bridges. So we'll talk about that as well. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Tomorrow, I will have a Christmas Day What to Watch For streaming show. That'll come tomorrow, as well as a Week 11 preview show. Today, because obviously there are no Christmas Eve games, so we're not doing a preview there, I thought I'd just do something a little bit different and look at three of the things that I got wrong, well, so far have gotten wrong, and three things that I got right in preseason's projection sort of stuff. Um, but then just as I was hitting record, uh, old Woj drops the bomb. ESPN sources the Charlotte Hornets and restricted free agent forward Miles Bridges are gathering traction in talks on a new deal and optimism exists that an agreement could come in the relative near future. All right, so I know many of you, all of you, maybe not all of you, a lot of you will be um, rushing to grab Miles Bridges. I will not be. And your own decision on the morality or how you feel about it is up to you. I'm not telling anybody what to do on yeah, picking up a guy who bashed his partner and then pled no contest to felony domestic violence charges. That's up to you what you want to do with it. Um, I, I won't be adding him. I know that much. The article, when you click through Woj's tweet, says that they may be looking at a deal, but if a deal can't be reached, he'll still be a restricted free agent next summer. So A, there's no guarantee that he that he um, signs a contract. There's no guarantee of that, okay? We don't know if he... Maybe there's growing optimism that he will come to an agreement in the near future, relative near future. What that means next week, two weeks, I don't know. And then when he does sign a deal, all right, he's got to come into the team. He's got to get back in some sort of game show. I assume he's relatively fit and healthy. But then there's the suspension to come. We are... 30 plus games into the season. I don't know when, uh, when not Turner, when Bridges gets signed. Um, maybe that's, say, the 10th of January. And then we're like 35. It's almost halfway through the year, basically, at that point. And I would, ex- I would expect a 20, minimum 20 game suspension would be my guess. So I, I think if you add him, I don't believe that Miles Bridges is injured reserve eligible in any leagues. So you'd have to sit on a guy and wait for maybe, I reckon at best, an all-star break return. That would be my guess. Um, Worst case scenario, he doesn't play, which I think is probably more likely, or he plays like five or six games in March, April. Again, that would be my guess. But it's really hard to know because I don't know what the NBA is going to do with suspension. They should drop 50 games on him. Yeah, at least, in my opinion. But what do I know? I'm not doing the investigation in this... um, 
in this incident? I don't, I don't know. So again, it comes down to your individual tolerance to how how do you feel about adding him, but also the calculation. There's that part of it, which and then you can completely ignore that. And as someone said to me when I tweeted, you know, that this is happening, that you know, the guy said the man served his time, like he served zero time at all, none whatsoever. What's he missed? Thirty games of an NBA season, like he hasn't served any time. But then there is the the, the contract's not signed. He's got to get back, and then he's got to get suspended. And I just don't expect, I don't think we see him in January. I really don't think we see him in February. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But you can you deal with a zero for that long? For a month, two months, two and a half months? Can you deal with a zero? That's, that's a question that only your team can, that you, only you can know about your team. I won't be adding him. I know that, but I know plenty of you will be. So... That's how I view the situation, irrespective of morality and all that stuff. I just don't think he's going to play until mid-February All-Star break at the earliest. I don't think he will play until then. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I, he, he needs to be signed. He needs to get back conditioning. And then he needs to get suspended. So there's a lot of still to happen here. Um, pretty gross news dump on a Friday night to release this information. We'll see where that ends up. But that's where that's where we sit with the Miles Bridges news at this point. If you, again, if you want to do it, add him because somebody will. Somebody will add him. So go and have a look and decide whether that's going to make sense to you. It doesn't to me. I don't believe that he's going to be making an impact anytime soon. But the impact that he... He's also, remember... He's only ever had one really good season. Like, So will he be that same guy again? I don't, I don't know. I assume he'll be pretty good when he does play, but I reckon it could also be really rusty for the first little bit of time that he's back in. And you really need to balance that as to does it make sense on your team risking zeros for that long? And and you know the answer to that, not me. And that's the stuff. I didn't, I didn't expect to be talking about Miles Bridges today, but here we are. Today's episode is brought to you by NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI, paid for by the NHTSA. Let's get into what we were actually going to um, talk about today. And that is three things that I think I got right when looking at preseason draft stuff and three things that I got wrong and talking about how we go with that. So I guess, Warnie? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, I was pretty. I was pretty happy with Larry Markkinen. Now I didn't expect Larry Markkinen would be the twenty fourth best player, not at all. But here we are. That's where he is so far this season. He has been immensely um, impressive during this season, basically all of this season. And even though I was um, excited about him, I didn't expect this good. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, you can see. There's some graphs here, and I'll explain that in a second. But a shout out to a couple of people who helped um, or created this for me. Um, one is Mark Kamiski, 
who created the graphs, and then also um, McCade Pearson, who was doing some work on those graphs for me as, as well. So some really interesting stuff. I'm going to be able to hopefully do a little bit of work with that uh, as we move forward. But just to explain what that graph is, what that is, is that I've been keeping track of players' fantasy ranks every day, but in two-week increments. So like on, you can see the first, oh, you should be able to zoom in on that, put it on your TV, whatever. On that graph, you can see the ranking on like October 31st. That was the two weeks prior to that. Then there's the next day is November 1st, the two weeks prior to that. November 2nd, the two weeks prior to that. So it's a rolling two-week fantasy rank on a per-game basis. And you can see that Markkinen started off relatively high. Had a little bit of a dip here in the middle, but his two-week average has been pushing pretty strong. And overall, he's ranked 24th for the season. I do have an ability to provide graphs where it's just their overall season-to-date ranks. And often with those, when you see big fluctuations early, and then they sort of middle out and and get lined. But this just shows you fluctuations in production. He's averaging 22.8 points with three threes, eight boards, two assists, half a steal, half a block, 53 and 83. I had him in about the 60s or 70s. His ADP was in the 90s. His rank was like outside the top 100. It started coming in towards the end. I obviously didn't have him at 24, but I was picking him in round five, round six in a lot of spots. And I think being 30, 40 spots ahead of ADP, which is what I was with a lot with Mark, and I think that worked out really well. I think that was a huge positive. And if you got him on your team, I don't think you'd be complaining about it too much. So I reckon that one worked out pretty darn well. That's probably one of the better ones that I saw. The reason I saw this is like, okay, he's going to play good minutes. He's going to get a lot of shots. I didn't think he'd be the absolute absolute number one because I thought Colin Sexton would siphon too many shots. But Markkinen's ability to score, shoot threes, get rebounds, and be efficient, even though I didn't see this efficiency coming, um, had me really excited about him in the 60s or 70s, and fi- or late 50s. Not this level, and maybe he levels off. But I think the end result on that one was pretty good. Another one that I was pretty happy with was cousin Kevin Porter Jr., and people think that I don't like Kevin Porter as a, as a player. No, I don't think he's a great superstar upside player at all. But he was ranked way too low in my mind. He was ranked outside the top 100. His ADP was 103. He's the 62nd ranked player this season. He had a, little, a few little dips, as you can see on that graph. There was a, a pretty cold patch there. But look at this continual improvement as we go through. Continual, continual, just keeping on, keeping on. Really big in, uh, improvement stuff from Porter as the season's gone on. And he continues to look really, really strong. And in that graph there, you can see over the last two weeks, like he's pushed up inside the top 50. Like some really strong numbers. He's averaging 18.9 points. So 19 points, two threes, five and a half boards and five and a half assists with 1.5 steals, shooting 42 and 77. Not like a 68% free throw guy that he's been in the past. The field goals could still improve for sure. But he was a guy that I was targeting in the 70s in a lot of drafts. Um, A lot of people didn't love me picking him there. But I think that that's been justified to get those numbers. I think he's been really, really solid. And as you're well aware, I do not care about turnovers in the slightest. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's been a good payoff to get Porter in this spot. I banked on some improvement in his shooting and it's come through. And the usage and minutes and all that stuff has worked out. I've been really happy with getting Kevin Porter in that zone. And I, I do think that worked out pretty well. The last one of these we're going to do, we're going to do three good, three bad. The last one, Jonas Vasu Inuansas. This was good for me because I told you don't draft him. Or I didn't say that. I said, I do not like where Jonas is getting drafted. I had him in the 80s. His ADP was 54. And he's ranked 95th. It's been really bad. I was very concerned that what he did last... And I was concerned all of last season. And obviously I was wrong because Zion never returned. But what I kept saying last season is, man, these are top 40 numbers. When Zion comes back, there's no way. When Zion comes back, there's no way. And Zion never came back. So he kept doing it. 
And then I said this year, well, Zion's healthy. So I don't know how they work together. He's not going to get that usage. And I think that they're going to have to limit his minutes because that combination doesn't work that well. And that, I think I was absolutely bloody spot on. So I had him in the 80s. He was getting picked in the 50s and he's been a disaster. He's averaging 14 points with 0.73s, nine boards, two assists, 0.4 steals, 0.3 blocks. That's putrid. Really good percentages. Part of the reason... Part of the reason he's down is his blocks are well down, but his usage and his playing time is just completely in the toilet. And that was the expectation that I had or the fear that I had with him. It's why I didn't want to take him in the 50s or 60s. That's why I had him pushed down further than that. So I'm pretty happy with my, I don't know if expectation is the right word or where I was placing Valanchunas in drafts or the fact that I avoided him and didn't draft him in any of the leagues that I was in. So I was pretty happy with, uh, with that. That worked out sort of exactly how I expected it to. And that's always a good feeling. When you expect something to happen, you try and see, well, how's it going to work with the players on the court, what his minutes going to look like? This is what I think. Well, that's actually going against general consensus, obviously, if he's getting ranked in the 50s and getting picked in the 50s. And then your process on that works out correct. Yeah, that, that's good. That doesn't happen all the time. Happens opposite a lot of the time. And you go, what am I talking about? But that one worked out pretty well. So I was happy with that end result. We'll go on to the ones that I got wrong so far. Well, some of them I definitely got wrong. And we'll talk about the reasons for those in just a second. But today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college basketball, college bowl season. The NBA, they've got it all at betonline.net. And we have got after, um, can we have bets on how many touchdowns Zach Wilson throws in the rest of his career? I don't know that's over there at BetOnline, but we can check out the Bills who got to take on the Bears. Eight and a half point favorites on Christmas Eve. The Bills should smash them, yeah? The Bears not looking great. I'm hoping that my man Gardner Minshew can come through for me for the Eagles against the, uh, against the Cowboys because I need him. I need him to win my fantasy matchup. But all of the odds for week 16 at the NFL are up and available at Bet Online. So they're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. So let's look at the bad. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Tobias Harris. He was getting dropped. This is ADP of 74. That He was ranked in the 50s. So people were pushing him down from that. And I was not into it. I, was, he, I had him in that 80s and 90s range because I saw what happened when Harden arrived last season. He was the fourth offensive option and he got lost. And he was ranked like 110th after Harden was traded to Philadelphia last season. So I thought, okay, that's going to happen. Now, it's been wrong. He's the 44th ranked player. He's averaging 17 points, two threes, six rebounds. Three assists, 1.3 steals, 50 and 80, 80-70s percentages. And I'll tell you why I got this wrong. And I did get it wrong. I don't, by the end of the season, I, may, I might not get it wrong, but he's off to a really good start. And as you can see, he's been continually improving. But see this little dip where Harris's value was falling off a cliff on this graph? It's about the time that both James Harden and Tyrese Maxey got injured and Embiid was out. And then look at the ranking, just rise and rise and rise and rise and rise to where he is now at 44th. So that's, I. Th- there's two reasons. Harden and Maxi have been out basically all season, definitely over half the season that he hasn't played with either of those guys. And he's gone in and doubled his steal numbers, which I know that steals are highly volatile year on year, but you can't project that. You can't go, this guy's always been a 0.7 steals guy. I think he's going to be 1.3 this season because I'd literally just be pulling that out of my ass. There's no metrics that you can account for that. Or he can go in and just randomly pick a player to improve his steal percentage. You can't do it. 
So that's why Harris has been this good. Now, I will con- I will continue to say this, not because I want to be stubborn in my pre-draft assessment of saying that he was in the 80s or 90s, but because of these factors that maybe his steals do stick. But when Harden and Maxi are both in the lineup, I-, I do expect that this ranking to start to come down and he moves back to a fourth option and Maxi, Harden, and Embiid are one, two, three. Much like how I feared it at the start of the season. I could be very wrong on that, though. Maybe he keeps up insane efficiency. Maybe he keeps getting almost one and a half steals per game. And maybe he actually maintains a role as a third option and Maxi gets reduced. I don't know. But that is why I had him lower. I had him in the 80s and 90s and I was avoiding him everywhere. And that's, that is why I think he has continued to um, uh, prove me wrong. This other guy also proved me wrong. And I'm not going to get a chance for this one to be redeemed. My name is Richie Cunningham. Cade Cunningham. I had Cade. His ADP was 32. I had him in the like 24, 20, 23 to like 32 range in that sort of early third, uh, mid third round range because I looked at what he did last season where he, I think he was like 51st um, and then he was like 40th or 38th or something post All-Star and I looked a second year player um, he'll take some improvements up. He'll play more minutes than what he did this season before. And we'll get some improvements in efficiency. And none of that happened. The minutes went up. And overall, when you look at his line, it's it's not that bad. And for everyone who's saying, look, you picked him in the third round and it was a disaster, it was. And it's not going to get better because he's out for the season. We had no idea that he had stress fracture issues in his shin. No, no one knew any of that. All we saw from him in preseason workouts were, look how buff he is, look at the weight he's put on, he looks huge, he'll get to the rim more. Not anyone telling us, he's actually dealing with significant shin pain all, all preseason because apparently that happened. We just never heard about it, which is frustrating. Um, but part of my reasoning was, yes, he'll just take on more responsibility, more usage, more minutes, and efficiency will rise, but it didn't. It went backwards. And because it was only a handful of games for Cade, people go through these slumps. And we saw, even if look at this graph, this is not a two-week... Uh, chunk graph for Cade because he didn't play enough. This is just his season to date rankings. If you look here, he was he pushed into the top 40. Like he was a top 40 guy for a while and then he went on a, a shooting slump and then he got hurt. So he was he was getting there. He averaged 20 points, one and a half threes, six rebounds, six assists. His steal numbers were reduced by 50% from last season. I think he was at 1.2 last season. He averaged 0.6 blocks and he shot under 42 from the field and 84 from the line. What I was banking on is that 42% to be 45 or 46%, and for him to average 22, 23 points, which could happen if you shoot that extra 4 or 5% from the field. And if he steals or even at like 1, 1.1, then he's easily a top 50 player. It's never going to get a chance to get redeemed, but there was every chance it could have, because if he was able to stay healthy, I don't expect that he would have shot that poorly all season. And everything else, the other counting stats, were all actually up over his rookie year. He just copped a big hit in efficiency. Yeah, and that's that's a huge L for me, definitely. Like, I, I got that wrong. But I also don't... I think he's going to be a massive steal next year, to be honest. I think people are going to fade way off him. And this... How many games did he even play this season, Cade? 12 games. Like, it's a 12-game sample size of him shooting 41%, the exact same percentage he shot last season. And he shot 28% from three. Like... I was projecting him to be like a 34%, 33% shooter, hitting 49, 50% from two. And he just didn't. They didn't improve there. And then he lost 1.2 steals down to 0.8. He improved his rebounds. He improved his points. He improved his assist numbers, which we all expected to happen or hoped would happen. He played um, 33 minutes a game. It's just that that's what, that's what sunk me. And it sunk me bad. Like, it's a bad one. But I still, the process behind it, I still look at it as, as sound. And that's part of, that's a lot of what I do is, is the process behind it sound? 
Yes, he got the more usage. He got more assists. Um, can't predict steals and shooting actually just dropped off. And I didn't, you know, I don't think I'd go into a season projecting somebody to be a 28% three-point shooter because again, unless they are just a horrible three-point shooter, which Kate isn't, you can't project someone, I don't think, to be that bad. And that's just a 12-game sample size. But Hugh Jell, we, we cop him. It happens. The last one is one that's gone on for a lot longer. And this is Terry Rogier. And this frustrates me, the Terry Rogier one, because... I've been so cautious with Terry Rozier over the years saying, mm, I'm not sure I buy this shooting. I'm not sure I buy it. Then he did it for two straight years. And okay, this is 150 plus games of him being a solid shooter in a row here. Like, okay, maybe he's a good shooter. And then he went like, oh, actually, what did he do? He did this. Psych, that's the wrong number. <laughs> yeah. And then he just became shit again. His ADP was 48th. I was taking him around that 40 mark. Just around ADP, probably a little bit higher, maybe 36. A solid scoring guard who would take on more usage with Bridges out. Would have to be their backup point guard because they didn't really have anybody else. Lamella would be out early season. Would give him a little bit of a boost. And his counting stats, 21 points, two and a half threes, four and a half rebounds, five and a half assists. He's fantastic. That's so, so good. The problem is everything else. He's like Kate. He steals, non-existent. He would get you over one steal easy. 0.7. Okay. 39.5% shooting. That's that's it. Like, where? How do you make up for that? He just has been bad with his shot basically all season. So so far, he's been a massive bust, huge bust in round four, gigantic because he hasn't been able to shoot. And the steals, we talk about things dropping off. He was at one point three steals last season, one point two the year before that. So he's at point seven. So he just half the steals. He also went from forty four percent down to thirty nine. Now forty four is not great, but it is a big difference. But he's scoring more points. He's getting more rebounds. He's getting more assists. He just isn't hitting his shots at the same level. So there is still hope for Rozier. And as you can see, there has been, like he had some real down periods here towards you know the start of the season. And the, it, the rankings all jumped up. And there's this period here towards the middle of December where he was ranked 35th for a period of time. It started to fall back off again. He's on a bit of a downward trend, but he was able to push it back up and show the value that we thought he could have. It just hasn't been consistent. But it's all tied to two things, field goal percentage and steals. And it shows how big a difference those two things can have in overall fantasy ranks. So far, it's been a huge L. I do have faith that that one can improve. Will he get back to top 50? That might be a tough ask, but I do think it can improve. And that is the end of today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. What was your biggest hit in drafts? What was your worst miss? Let me know in the comments below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.